0: This is Live Well Talk on COVID-19 Vaccine and Delta Variant Part 4. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at St. Luke's Hospital in Cedar Rapids. In today's podcast, I'll provide an update on what we're seeing in the hospital and the community, uh, the latest information on the Delta variant, as well as the recent news of the Pfizer approval for the vaccination from the FDA, as well as masking and other topics related. The current status of the hospital, we have looks like 22 in the hospital at this time. That's stayed pretty steady. We get about three admissions and three discharges each day. And the presumption is that it's all Delta variant based upon uh, analysis of the water supply. Uh, here in Cedar Rapids, they do test the wastewater for viral um, load, and it has been all Delta. Now, the state will say 85% is Delta, but we're we're presuming it's all Delta, which in, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter uh, in the fact that we treat them the same. Um, The percentage of people admitted to the hospital that are vaccinated is about 15%. So that means 85% are unvaccinated. And with the exception of two cases back earlier in the summer, uh, I can tell you that none of those patients that were vaccinated admitted to the hospital uh, required extended critical care. In, In summary, the vaccines clearly prevent death and disease. Uh, they might not prevent infections, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later i think I think one thing that I'd like to cover regarding the delta variant is vaccine versus natural immunity so the del the the vaccine it messenger RNA goes into the body, tells the body to make antibodies for the spike protein. The spike protein on the virus is the part of the virus that attaches to the cells and introduces the the virus to to the cell and subsequent pathology follows so a small change in the spike protein may lead to the, vi- the vaccine not being as effective because it addresses one part of the virus natural immunity um where you've received the infection you've survived it and now you're on your way actually probably prevents disease and infection a little bit in a different way in the fact that um, it develops B cells and T cells memory B cells and T cells develop antibodies to the entire virus the spike protein the m protein the nucleocapsid uh, and this this may be at some point considered advantageous if you've had the condition before recent study out of unpublished study unpeer reviewed but uh, just a preliminary study out of Israel uh, that the natural immunity was equivalent to if not superior in some situations as the Vaccine. So, more to follow on that. It's as science is never the truth, it's searching for the truth, and it's a dynamic situation, of course. Now, full approval was granted by the FDA for the Pfizer vaccine. And I've heard people say, well, they really didn't approve the Pfizer vaccine as it is. They uh, are approving the future. And that's, that's not what it says. What it says is that it approves the Pfizer vaccine, previously called BioNTech now to com- Comirati. comirati. Uh, so it, it is the same. Uh, Moderna is in the process of looking for approval. Uh, Johnson Johnson has not done that yet, but I'm not sure that will follow. One of the questions that we get a lot of and I, I get a lot of is uh, ivermectin, azithromycin, zinc, vitamin D, and hydroxychloroquine. My feeling on that is that the evidence isn't solid that those are a benefit. And potentially, if dosed wrong, particularly ivermectin, could actually cause problems. Uh, and as physicians, we start each day by saying, first, do no harm. Uh, and so prescribing a patient ivermectin when they don't need it or prescribing inappropriately the dosing could possibly uh, cause harm to your patient. And I, I would recommend we avoid it. They are safe medications when used appropriately. Now, the the media has these stories where people are using uh, uh, veterinary Uh, quality medicine for horses uh, and getting quite ill because obviously the dose is different between a human and a horse. I think discussion with your physician about azithromycin, zinc, and ivermectin are reasonable approaches. There are some anecdotes out of Africa, a country where they use ivermectin for parasitic infections, that they have less transmission of COVID-19, and is that a relationship with ivermectin yet to be determined? The vaccine hesitancy that, that we hear about, part of me is quite sad. And, and I'm sad because people, people have chosen not to get the vaccine. I believe that's their choice. But they're not bad people. They're not enemies. I see social media and I hear comments that, that are hurtful to someone that just sees the world differently and has chosen not to get the vaccine. And I, I think we should keep that in consideration that it's, it is a personal choice and people can make that choice. They can look at the risk and the benefits, hopefully meet with their physician and determine that. Uh, but they're not bad people. And I have some close friends that have chosen not to get the vaccine. They're still my close friends. I respect them very much. I've asked them to get the vaccine. I've told them it will benefit and prevent disease. Um, and, but that's all I can do up to a certain point, they have to decide, and it's their decision. I support that. But let's just keep remember these these are our friends and our family, and if they choose to do something different, that's their choice. Um, science is dynamic, and in the end, perhaps the arc of scientific truth may support their position. At this time, it doesn't. It says the vaccines are safe and they prevent disease. They don't prevent infections, and I, I think we've done a very bad job as healthcare leaders in selling the vaccine, that it prevented infection. And we should, have, we should have pushed it as all vaccines, they prevent disease. And the vaccines have demonstrated that they do prevent disease. They prevent people from dying. They prevent hospitalization. They might not necessarily prevent infection. So when you hear about a breakthrough infection, it's, oh my gosh, the vaccines don't work. Uh, we were lied to. And I think we set the wrong expectation on that because then once the early numbers, as expected, with the Pfizer vaccine showed that it was 99% effective and we quit masking and taking precautions because we were fully vaccinated. And then over time, it's shown that it's waned. And really that's not a failure of the vaccine. It, it probably indicates there should have been a third dose in the treatment or the regimen from the beginning, because you do have to have some time for the immune system to uh, learn I'll use that phrase: learn to make the antibodies, and then also remember how to make that. And I think, like, I think diphtheria, uh, tetanus, some of those are boosters come three to five years later. I, I, I might be wrong on that, but it, it's it, it's years, and so the the final series might be a couple years later because the immune system needs to not only learn how to make the antibodies, but also remember how to make the antibodies, and so. I think it'll be, in retrospect, we'll find out that the vaccine probably should add a third dose to begin with. And so this really isn't a booster as much as it perhaps is an additional dose. Uh, People are using the term booster. I think that's fine. Uh, We know what each other's talking about when we talk about that. Additional dose is being given uh, to immunocompromised patients, chemotherapy, organ transplant, dialysis, uh, and that is being arranged through uh, their physicians. And then starting September 20th, an additional dose or a booster dose will be available to the general public. And it needs to be at least 28 days from the last dose of your vaccination series, which really comes back to my earlier claim that I think that it should have been a three-dose series to begin with. And we're just learning that over time, which is expected. You you wouldn't know this until we we started to deliver. The masking guidance continues to be a controversy. And as I said before, mask work. Provided you put them on correctly, don't touch them, and wear them once. I think a lot of attention is being uh, placed on uh, this topic, whether mass mandates, whether or not the governor can or cannot do that. And I, I wish more time would be put in persuading people to become vaccinated, uh, notifying people to get the monoclonal antibodies when indicated early in the illness. And even prophylactically for high-risk patients, uh, for example, like dialysis patients that might get exposed or have a very strong COVID exposure, we have the opportunity to provide the monoclonal antibody, which will uh, help them uh, prevent uh, further disease. And I, I think that's that's definitely of value, and we should be pushing that out and encouraging people to stay home when they're ill rather than having these ongoing controversies over masks. We continue masking in the hospital, and I I think I've said before. Actually, my wife Tanya was the one that said this, and I think she's right. That masking it might be the new wearing gloves. Uh, prior to HIV, uh, you've probably been in your physician's office, and and they didn't wear gloves. And then universal precautions came out with the HIV uh, epidemic, and subsequently, gloves are just a, a, a normal part of a healthcare visit. I think masks are going to end up being that, and I think masks will be with us in healthcare for quite some time even if it is curtailed in public usage. And I think the, the fact that the mask to be here for some time also comes back to that expectation we need to have. Um, if everybody gets vaccinated or a significant proportion of the population gets vaccinated, we will decrease transmission, we'll decrease hospitalizations, we'll decrease disease. And over time, I think COVID will be something seasonal, much like influenza. The United States has Anywhere from 12,000 to 60,000 deaths, depending on the flu season. Obviously, a bad flu season is closer to 60,000. 12,000 is a less intense flu season. uh And as of to date, about 650,000 people have died in the United States from COVID. And, you know, it's a little over a year, of course. But I, I think we can look at that. If we could make COVID like influenza and get that death down to the high risk groups and then take precautions in nursing homes, congregate living, and with uh, seniors that are at risk, uh, we can bring that down and really make something that COVID is uh, just something that we live with. It's endemic and perhaps a seasonal. At the end of the day, we won't be overwhelmed by a Delta surge, uh, but it is overwhelming for us to continue to, to take care of COVID patients disproportionately to other conditions. And we also have individuals that get sick for other reasons, and it keeps our uh, intensive care unit busy as well as our medical surgical floors and the increase in the RSV uh, in uh, the pediatrics, respiratory syncytial virus. If people will get vaccinated, we can reduce the possibility that we will have a significantly extreme uh, flu and cold season during the winter months, and we will have more than the needed capability to take care of routine and preventative care. And that's that's probably what keeps me up at night. I worry about delaying routine and preventative care because diabetes, heart disease, colon cancers, they're still there. They're still, they're still plugging along. And uh, if we have to execute on some contingencies we have laid out and divert resources from other service lines to take care of COVID patients, then it, it, it will just, as you might say, kick the can down the road as far as some of the chronic uh, medical conditions we do manage. Thank you for listening today for my COVID-19 update. We'll be back next week with another COVID-19 update, and hopefully we'll have more on the vaccination series and efficacy of natural versus vaccine-induced immunity. For the latest on COVID-19 vaccine information and more, visit unapoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, and if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers, about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.